Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am really looking forward to talking about emotional regulation in today's podcast episode. Before we jump into that, I just wanted to fill you in on a couple of things. So you have heard me talking about the dog communication webinar that I did, and it was so much fun. I was so glad to connect with the people that joined and answer all of your specific questions. And there's going to be a part two, so I'm really excited about that. So if you're into learning more about dog communication... There's, like I said, there's going to be a part two. So if you'd like to be a part of part two and then get access to the recording of part one, you still have time to join. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out if you're curious. But it was really fun to talk about hierarchy in dogs, status in dogs. We talked about resource guarding. We talked about so many very valuable things when it comes to how dogs communicate with each other and how they play with each other. Things are really pretty good here in Colorado. We keep having these false springs, which I'll I'll be honest, I'm not mad about because it's beautiful. And it's so much fun to see the world start to come to life a little bit more. Y'all know I'm a very big gardener. So it's been really excited to exciting to see the garden come to life. And as you can imagine, the dogs are very excited because when it's nice out, we get to be outside a lot more. So I hope that you all are well wherever you are. I hope you've been uh, able to connect and get some really good outside time in with your dogs. And if the weather sucks where you are, hopefully you've been able to do some fun stuff inside. So today's episode is entitled Emotional Regulation. And I think that emotional regulation is something that is really at the core of a lot of what I do in my work, not only with my own dogs, but with my clients' dogs. And I think that there's a lot of labels used for this, right? So managing arousal, keeping dogs under threshold, uh, getting dogs to go from on to off. So I think that there's a lot of labels uh, that are used for emotional regulation. But my hope in today's episode is to give you some insights into how some of the practicality of helping your dog emotionally regulate. Something that I talk about very often with my clients is that we're not trying to suppress a dog's enthusiasm. We're not trying to change who a dog is. We're just trying to help them cope better in certain moments, in certain circumstances. And it's not that your dog always has to be at baseline. It's not that they can't ever be elevated, right? Or below that baseline. It's not that they can't ever be fearful. It's not that they can't ever be overly excited. But the goal is really to give our dogs strategies to use to regulate more, right? Regulate how they're feeling, help them cope with some of the big emotions that come up. And this is all dogs, right? A lot of you have reactive dogs, so you have probably a more in-depth understanding of this than the average dog would, but dog guardian would. But for me, right, and my dogs, this is something that I focus on a lot, helping my dogs emotionally regulate. And this isn't necessarily asking them to do, perform 
behaviors for food, right? That's that's not always what I'm looking at. Sometimes it's just offering some emotional support in those moments to help them cope with how they're feeling. And as many of you know, a lot of the podcast episodes, this not being any exception, come to me while I'm out walking my own dogs. And You've heard me talk in some previous episodes about Spicy's behavior on our walks in our neighborhood, and many of you live in neighborhoods like I do, and you have to deal with dogs who are barking behind fences and other very stimulating things that happen for our dogs, and I've been really focusing a lot on helping Spicy emotionally regulate, so I want to back up and I want to just give you a little bit more of a picture here. So... Oftentimes when I walk my dogs, I do walk them on retractable leashes. As many of you know, I'm a big fan of retractable leashes under the right conditions because our neighborhood is relatively quiet. I have great handling skills and our my dogs do really, really well on the retractable leashes. So something that has been happening pretty frequently recently is that uh, when we leave our house, we go down a block and we go down a block where there is a house that has three dogs in a fenced in front yard that usually go pretty bananas when they see us. And something that's been happening recently is that basically we go out the door, our front door, and we kind of turn left to, to go down the block and Spicy starts to get really, really overstimulated because she's anticipating seeing the barking dogs. And something that I've really been focusing on is some little strategies to help herself regulate so that by the time we get to where the dogs are barking behind the fence, she's capable of behaving uh, in a more productive way. I will be clear that Spicy isn't reacting in the sense that she's lunging and barking what's happening is that she is just like at the end of the leash her ears are pinned back she's like crouched down low and she's pulling she's pulling a lot which is a sign to me that she is not regulating emotionally the way that I think is going to be most productive for her typically spicy is very quick to check in with me, uh, offer her attention if I ask for it. And this is a circumstance where on this block, she is not terribly responsive to cues and she's doing a lot more pulling than she would otherwise. So I'm doing a couple of things to support her. So one, I am doing some slowing down. I am physically slowing down so that she also slows down. It's not that I it's the end of the world if your dog is like walking quickly or pulling. But in this circumstance, right, based on her body language, her tail is low. She's kind of crouched down. Those ears are pinned back and she's pulling. I think that she's just kind of feeling overwhelmed because she's like, oh my God, those dogs are there. Those dogs are going to be behind the fence. They're going to be barking. And I really want to slow her down and help her to take it down a couple of notches. Again, I'm not expecting her to be like the most chill, calm dog ever. She is an adolescent Amstaff after all, but I'm physically slowing down so that she also slows down. When we're walking towards this fence, asking her to come all the way back to me is really hard. And honestly, in those moments, she's not super interested in treats. Not that she won't take them, but it's it's not the most motivating thing for her in, in those moments. So I'm literally physically slowing down and asking her to also physically slow down. 
when she slows down and she kind of pauses, I'm marking that and then we walk a little bit more forward. And in these moments, it's it's not necessarily like the black and white of I'm trying to teach her like that pulling is not what I want. That's, that's not the exact focus of what I'm doing. I'm really trying to help her regulate her emotions a little bit more so that as we continue to walk, she is in a different headspace. And the slowing down isn't the only skill, right? But that's some of the first things that I'm doing. Something else that I'm doing is when we slow down and we stop, if she offers a shake off, right? A full body shake off, I'm verbally praising, yes, good girl. Many of you have heard me talk about this over and over again, but a full body shake off is a very valuable self-regulatory skill for our dogs. And typically post shake off, spicy is closer to her baseline than she would have been before that. So I'm doing a lot of slowing down, asking her to slow down. I'm trying not to make it torturous. So I'm not necessarily stopping if I don't have to, right? Like I'm really just walking slowly, like the really slow walk. And oftentimes that helps her to emotionally regulate, right? That helps to kind of break her focus of the thing that she is staring at. And after she can emotionally regulate a little bit more that shake off, that's when I'm able to ask her to do some of her trained skills, ask her to come back to me, ask her to have a couple of cookies so that I can keep her engaged with me and focused while we're walking past the dogs that are barking behind the fence. I have talked about this in some previous episodes, but just to highlight it in this episode, When we are walking past that fence, I have been creating space and walking in the street so that it's easier for her to be successful. And like I said, it's not that Spicy is lunging or barking, but I can see the writing on the wall, so to speak, that if I let her continue to rehearse this behavior where she pulls and she crouches and then she gets to the fence and then she wants to like run back and forth along the fence with the dogs that are barking, that is not a wildly productive behavior for her to rehearse. And, you know, all breeds are different. All dogs are individuals. But for Spicy and for Amstaffs, I don't love the rehearsal of that, like, super amped up behavior around other dogs. It's just not my favorite. I don't really want her to rehearse that. I really want her to be able to regulate and cope with that in a different way than just being, like, super duper overstimulated. So this is just one example, right, of how I'm helping Spicy emotionally regulate. But I want to give you some examples of behaviors that could be categorized as emotional regulation for you and your dog. So when we're talking about behaviors out in the world, I think that sniffing is obviously one that a lot of dogs should be engaging in. And sniffing is one that I see come up as a beautiful emotional regulatory skill. So when you are out walking, if you have a dog who is like spicy, who tends to get a little overstimulated about dogs barking behind a fence, and to be clear, who could blame her? That is a lot of criteria, (laughs) right? The house that I'm talking about here, they have three dogs, a Dutch Shepherd and two little pit bulls, and they just go bonkers behind this fence, just absolutely bonkers. And that's a lot of criteria for her, right? So if your dog struggles with that, why that's par for the course. But something else that I observe, right, is that 
when a dog is trying to cope with how they're feeling about like metaphorically getting yelled at by other dogs, something that Waylon will do often is he will slow down, he will sniff, he will mark, and he will move on. And that's him trying to emotionally regulate. And I think that that's so much of my qualms with some of the quote unquote balance side of dog training or the more, you know, quote unquote pack leader dominance based dog training is that it's so based on control that we don't, we don't give the dogs opportunities to regulate their own emotions because they're so concerned about controlling the dog and everything that they do. And I think that that's really, really unproductive, right? Because if I can walk past this fence and Waylon can do some sniffing, he can do some marking, he can move on without engaging in the dogs behind the fence and without getting too overly excited or overly aroused. That's brilliant. That's a brilliant way that Waylon is emotionally regulating, right? And Spicy isn't capable of that yet, right? Like when we're walking past that fence, she can't sniff. She can't stop and mark, right? Like she is like, but those dogs are back there. Do you see them? Oh my God, let's get crazy. So I just want you all to to pay attention to if you're out in the world with your dog and something stimulating happens, right? Something exciting, maybe something scary, and your dog slows down to sniff, that could be them trying to emotionally regulate. And so often my clients are working so hard on like engagement and getting the dog to pay attention to them and take food. And that is absolutely valuable. And that has a place in emotional regulation. But if your dog can emotionally regulate by slowing down, by sniffing, by marking, that's one that I want you to empower them to do because one, it's less effort for you, right? Like you don't have to do anything except for support them in those moments. And the more repetition your dog gets of being able to emotionally regulate like that, the easier time they're going to have in these stimulating situations that come up again, right? And so many of the dogs that I work with that struggle with fear, anxiety, overwhelm, those are the dogs that it's like when they slow down to sniff, I'm like, let it be. Just let them slow down. Let them stop. Let them sniff. Let them take a couple of moments to collect themselves. And emotional regulation is one of those things that when we can create the time and space for the dog to do it, oftentimes the dogs do have the skills to emotionally regulate. And in an attempt to train, sometimes we... We negate those situations where we're like, okay, the dog is sniffing. Well, no, I need to get their attention. I need them walking at my side. I should be feeding them here. Sometimes we need that, right? Especially for you all who have dogs that can be reactive and like maybe another dog's coming and if you don't move, they could go over threshold. I talk about this a lot in the episode entitled Let Them Sniff But dot, dot, dot. We'll include a link for that in the show notes. But I really want you to observe, right? Pay attention to your dog and some of the behaviors that they're displaying. And I think at first glance, right, sometimes we get annoyed with our dogs. Like, oh my God, we're stopping to sniff again. But is the stopping to sniff, is the stopping to mark, helping them to emotionally regulate a really tough situation that they're trying to cope with? And if so, is there more times and opportunities that we can let that play out? Can we help them 
Can we empower them to regulate their emotions by doing some of those really simple behaviors, just slowing down, stopping, sniffing, marking? I will say that for a lot of my clients' dogs, especially the ones that struggle with big feelings about dogs, being able to get past a dog that they're seeing, slow down, stop, sniff, leave a little bit of pee mail is a very valuable self-regulatory skill. And one that I think that if we don't allow them to do it, that's when we're getting much more in the territory of some of the trigger stacking and some of the compounding stress that they haven't been able to cope with. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those that, of course, every dog is an individual, but I really want you paying attention to that. So in addition to a physical shake off, in addition to stopping to sniff, in addition to marking, I think that there are lots of other opportunities for us to empower our dogs to regulate their emotions a little bit. So another skill that I've talked about actually pretty frequently in this podcast episode is dogs who struggle with overexcited greetings. And again, I want to be clear. It's not that I want to suppress a dog's enthusiasm. I want to just help them cope and make better decisions even when they're really, really excited, right? And sometimes they can't emotionally regulate without our support. This is another behavior that I've been working on with Spicy because she really, oh, the jumping at people is still very prevalent. <laughs> she's still very, very excited and she still really, really wants to jump. And something that I've been doing to help her emotionally regulate in some of those moments is really using a combination of management and just verbal praise and being there to support her. So when she goes to greet people and she keeps her four feet on the floor and she's getting lots of praise, I'm doing two things. One, I'm using the leash to make sure she doesn't go to launching herself at people's faces. And again, the launching herself at people's faces, she just wants to lick their faces. It's not that she's trying to bite them. It's just overzealous, right? Not malicious, just overzealous. And as she's standing there, right? And she's like wiggling and she's trying so hard. I'm talking it, talking her through it. Yes, good girl. I know it's so much fun to get pets and praise from people and just stand there and wiggle. And when I can see she's about to jump, I'm redirecting her to me. Come on, little girl. And oftentimes she'll come back to me. She'll do that full body shake off and then I can let her go back. So not all dogs are capable of emotionally regulating without our support, especially the adolescent dogs, but it's not just the adolescent dogs. It's the adult dogs too. And This is something that I also support a lot of my clients with when it comes to dogs who are capable of some reactive and or aggressive behavior with other dogs and helping them self-regulate and helping them make better decisions. And something that I've had a couple of clients with recently, right? So it's fresh on my mind is dogs who struggle with resource guarding, right? Resource guarding that is much more intense and they will escalate to aggression. And something that I've worked on with several clients, like I was saying recently, is helping the dog to, in the heat of the moment, make better decisions and regulate a little bit better emotionally so they don't feel like they need to take it to escalation and using aggression. And a lot of that is accomplished by doing controlled setups where the dog can be successful and get a lot of successful repetitions of making the choice to move away from a resource instead of charge at it. And this is 
something that, you know, all dogs are different, but the clients that I'm thinking about, we've been using a stuffed animal dog to create these scenarios where, okay, there's the stuffed animal dog, there's a resource on the ground. And instead of the dog that we're working with, instead of the dog charging at the resource, helping them understand that they can move away from the resource, they can check in with their guardian, they can move away and sniff, they can move away and mark, they can do a full body shake off and really improving their repertoire of behaviors in response to potentially triggering situations with other dogs. And so much of that is Obviously, it's behavior modification, but the focus is really helping the dog to emotionally regulate in those moments instead of getting so intense and feeling like they need to take things to the next level, right? And not that everything in dog training is emotional regulation, but how the dog is feeling in the moments when we're training is so, so important, right? And again, that's another one of my beefs with like the other side of dog training is they don't care how the dog feels. It's what the person says no matter what. And that is going to lead to a lot of frustration and continued friction and battle of the wills for your dog's whole life. And that is something that one is exhausting and two is not going to lead to the outcome that you want, right? Control is not the answer. Careful setups, empowering dogs to emotionally regulate, that is going to be much more productive in getting to outcomes. I want to talk about one more facet of emotional regulation that I'm sure is very relevant to a lot of you, and that is prey drive. Uh, As many of you know, Waylon has a very strong prey drive to larger animals, We've been working on that his whole life. But uh, as I was saying, right, I'm I'm working a lot with Spicy right now, too. So she cares a lot about smaller animals. So squirrels and bunnies and birds. And uh, I think a lot of you have heard me talk about the geese, right? There's a high density of geese in Colorado right now. And something that I've really been focusing on with Spicy's prey drive is not trying to overly control her and like tell her to leave it and pull her away and blah, blah, blah. I've really been trying to set it up where I can support her to regulate and make the decision to move away from the prey without pursuing it. This is accomplished on leash, right? Because uh, that is going to lead to the most success. But an example, right? And of course, this happened on a walk very recently. So there was a flock of geese, And they're like quacking and honking and, you know, making all of their noise. And Spicy was really, really focused, right? Hard staring, trying, like kind of stalking and pursuing them from a distance. And what I did is I very strategically continued to move, but I didn't use any leash tension. I used my movement and my motion to encourage her to disengage from the geese of her own volition. And then I was there to reinforce that decision. So basically we're walking, she's kind of pulling towards the geese. I'm walking with her, but instead of standing there and letting her continue to watch and hard stare, I just continued to move. As I got as far away from her as the leash would allow, then I started to talk to her. Good girl. I know the geese are there. I know it's super duper exciting. Good job. And within a couple of seconds, she was able to disengage, come with me. Boom. I got her a find it treat reinforcement and we were able to move on. And this seems kind of trivial. Like, okay, all you did is just talk her through it. But 
talking your dog through stressful situations and honoring the fact that what they're experiencing is really important to them, but then encouraging them to make different decisions is so, so effective for so many challenging behaviors, right? And that's one that I could easily yank on her collar and tell her to leave it and tell her she just had to come with me, but that's not getting to an outcome where she's more capable of making better decisions and regulating what's happening for her emotionally, right? That's her just being like, Ugh, okay, you're yanking on the leash. I guess I will come with you. And as many of you know, a lot of our life is spent in places where there's lots of animals and often, you know, Spicy gets to be off leash quite a bit. And those are circumstances where if she is off leash, I have no I have no control if my plan is just to yank on her collar and tell her to leave it. But the plan that I just described for you, that's going to generalize much better to off-leash, right? Where she has more skills and she has more of an ability to choose to disengage on her own versus me just getting in there and yanking at her collar and telling her to leave it. I'm sure you can probably hear my dogs have decided that this is playtime and they are being so loud in the other room. So as you all know, I do my best to keep this podcast as professional as possible, but I also live with crazy dogs who apparently want to be crazy right now. So everyone, emotional regulation is at the core of a lot of the work that I do with almost all of the dogs that I work with. And the intention of this episode is for you to observe and understand some of those circumstances where maybe your dog is trying to emotionally regulate and you didn't really realize it. And I want you to be able to support them and empower them to self-regulate more. Obviously, our dogs need our support. Obviously, so much of the training is teamwork. But I think sometimes what we can do is just observe like, oh, you are trying to cope with how you're feeling right now. And sometimes our dogs just need us to hold some space for them and be like, okay, you need a minute here. You need to stop. You need to sniff. You need to pee. You need to shake off. That's all okay, right? And usually once they're capable of doing that, then we get to this point where they're much easier to manage and much easier to deal with. One other point that I want to make on emotional regulation is that after something stimulating has happened, I really do my best to try and connect with my dogs. So maybe I lost their attention for a moment or many moments, but then maybe the distracting thing is gone. That's when I might just stand still and be like, hey, do you want to come over here? (laughs) Do you want some emotional support? Do you want some praise? Do you want some pets? And this is something that I do with Spicy a ton, right? Usually once we get past the fence where the dogs are barking, I will stop. I'll be like, hey, Spice, come here. And she will come back to me and wiggle and get some pets. And we can kind of connect and she can do a nice big shake off. And then we can keep walking. Depending on where you live, depending on the distraction level, depending on how triggered your dog can be by certain things, you might have to do this multiple times a walk. You might have to do this multiple times a hike. You might have to do this multiple times if someone comes to your house and they're really, really excited. But the more we can empower our dogs to emotionally regulate, the easier it is going to be for them to make those more productive decisions when they're faced with overwhelming things, when they're faced with really, really exciting things. And I will say, that by helping your dog to emotionally regulate, it also helps you to emotionally regulate. And many of you have seen me post on the Instagram about taking the dog's cue of stopping and sniffing to be a cue for you to stop and take a deep breath. 
I will tell you that has been so, so powerful for me and being attached to wild dogs. So the emotional regulation isn't necessarily just for the dog. That can be for you too. So if you you need to stop and connect with the dog and you need to take a deep breath, you need to do a little bit of shaking it off. You can also do that. Emotional regulation is very productive for your dog, but also for you. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. There are loads of ways to support this podcast. Many of you who have left reviews, many of you have shared this podcast with your friends and family, but we've created another way for you to support this podcast by making a monetary financial contribution. You can choose from a one-time contribution or making a small monthly contribution to continue to make disorderly dogs possible. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.